0: I turned to Tom just now and said, you ready? You ready to preach? He says he'll preach from the word, and that's an awesome answer, brother. Good to be before you this morning. God is in control. God has saved us. What better song can we sing than to rejoice what God has done in each and every one of us? Amen? And if he hasn't, hopefully you give your heart to him. But I want to start with sharing a story with you all or an illustration that think that you have, Imagine that you have 1,000 acres of farmland. Some of you are like, oh, boy, that sounds really good. Imagine you have 1,000 acres of farmland, and someone comes to you and gives you an offer saying, I want to buy all of that farmland. You go, okay, sure, but I want to keep the one acre, one acre in the dead center of all that land. I just want to keep that one. And they're like, okay, that's fine. Legally, you have the right to make a road that leads to your acre you have the legal right to make a road to get to your one acre in the middle of the thousand right but when it comes to the Christian life if we give everything we have to God except one part of it that gives the enemy all the right to pave a road to that part that you haven't surrendered to God And it doesn't give him the right because he just has dominion over it, but because you haven't surrendered it to God. If you surrender it to God, the enemy doesn't have any way to walk around that. But what if there was that one place in your life, that one acre of your land, that you have yet to surrender to God? We'll be reading this morning from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I know, very expansive. Just one and two. And I'm going to go ahead and read, and we're going to spend time in prayer beforehand. But the Word of God says this Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, allow your word to pierce our hearts this morning. Allow your word to do a work in us. Lord, open our hearts Open our minds to understand your word. Allow your Holy Spirit to work in us so we may understand what you have to share with us this morning. And Lord, allow me to share with clarity. And Lord, may you do a work today in Rocky Mount Baptist Church. Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. As always, if there's anything that you remember from this sermon, I'll say it in one sentence. Our greatest act of obedience... In response to God's mercy is to make up our minds and fully surrender our lives to him. One more time. Our greatest act of obedience in response to God's mercy is to make up our minds and fully surrender our lives to him. This message, I just titled it, Making Up Our Mind. I want to include myself in there. I hope we're all in unity when it comes to that we have to make up our mind. And I'm going to explain what that is. But I want to refer back to the first part of these two verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, hmm, let's stop there. I always ask this question. Whenever you see therefore in God's word, ask, what is it therefore? You know? And you're like, wow, well, let's check. So what what I want to lead you to, and we're not gonna necessarily turn there, but the reason this verse is there. I'm going to answer your question. The reason it's there is because Paul, in the book of Romans, has just elaborated in chapters 1 all the way to 11 about God's mercy. He has just elaborated in all those chapters about God's mercy. And he comes to this point and he says, now what? Therefore, so on and so forth, right? So that's why these verses are there because he is practically summarizing the previous chapters, and I want to ask this before I, I summarize those chapters for you. Have you ever created a resume? Um, have you ever been given a report of your experience or your um, how you've been performing at work? Um, I know some of us might not like that, but sometimes there's those um, just reports at the end of a period at the end of the year, and you have just really all the good things that you you've done throughout your job that year, or a resume you're trying to make yourself look as great as you can and you Submit that resume, and on that, you have all the greatest things you did. I spoke in tongues. I, I don't know what you have on there, right? But you want to make sure that it looks neat. You want to make sure that it looks professional, and you want to have your best experience on that resume. For the military, as some of you, some of you may know, it's quite the same. You know, at the end of a period, you get um, a PR, I believe it's, it's um, called, or you get a, a report. It is from the the personnel that are higher than you. They give you an evaluation on your job and how you've been doing, right? And you hope that they write every good thing on that resume or that report and you hope that what you turn in to a job place that you're interested in, that the resume looks good and you make sure everything is up to par, your best experience. But I want to share this. My first point is this. Look at all... That God has done for you look at all that God has done for you and I want to talk about God's resume and we're about to talk about it from chapters uh, 1 to 11 in Romans God has the best resume I might not have it you might not have it some of you may but God has the best resume and we find it in the book of Romans chapter 1 through 11 and to summarize it for you this is what Paul has said And now he is summarizing, but I'm going to go ahead and name that off for you. In chapters 1 through 11, Paul says this, to think of the mercies of God, we are justified from guilt and the penalty of sin. More in Romans, we are adopted into Jesus. We are identified with Christ. In the beginning chapters, he says, we are placed under grace, not the law we've been given the holy spirit to live within us we are promised we are promised of the help in all of our affliction we have assurance that god is standing with us we have the confidence of a coming glory we have the confidence of no separation from the love of god we have the confidence in god's continued faithfulness Faithfulness, justified, forgiven, God's eternal gift of his son, Jesus Christ. All these things Paul has covered in chapters 1 through 11. And now we're at chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, in light of all that you just read, and, you know, back in the day, they probably read through the whole book of Romans all at once. They didn't take a break, you know, to use the restroom or have a cookie, but they literally read through all of Scripture, especially different um, manuscripts, especially different letters entirely but all that being said we are now here therefore in light of all that you have just read all that you've experienced offer your bodies as a living sacrifice offer your bodies as a living sacrifice so paul's explanation is literally like a commitment to the gospel and what it looks like in real life summarize the chapters of 1 through 11 and now we're seeing what it looks applied to our life we look at God's mercy and I want to encourage you maybe as I'm speaking but think about God's mercy in your life what did he specifically save you from in your life we all have different struggles we all deal with different sin but Initially, before you became a Christian, from that moment that you didn't believe that you gave your life to Christ, what mercy did God show to you? To give us breath, I'll start there, right? But I want you to think about that and ponder on that a little bit. What has God done in your life? How do we respond to his mercy? We look back and say, wow, the sins of my youth or yesterday or the week before. All of God's mercy. I'm still standing here today. I'm still here able to breathe and appreciate God's mercy. I think that's enough to say praise God. So look at all that God has done for you. My second point is give your entire life to God. Give your entire life to God. We need to make a choice. We offer ourselves as sacrifices to so many things, right? And it says, In light of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I thought sacrifices were supposed to die. Well, not us. The lifespan that we have to live on this earth, we have an opportunity to give our lives to God and say, God, whatever you have for me, whatever you call me to, I'm there. Or we have a chance to go, God, I don't want anything to do with you. We have to make a decision. But oftentimes, we don't always give ourselves as a sacrifice to the right things or to the right person, right? We sometimes give our all. We put our sweat, tears, and sleepless nights into our jobs, right? But do we do that for God? We put our sweat, blood, and tears into maybe that significant other in your life. And that's good. But how much are we giving to God, right? So I'm challenging myself as I am youth this morning. When was the last time we offered everything that we had to the Lord? Romans 6.13 says this, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. Whoa, that's pretty serious. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness. You might say, well, Jacob, like, that sounds good, but I don't necessarily go out the front door of my house every morning and go, I'm going to offer my body to sin. But I want to talk about that for one quick moment. Ephesians 4.1 says this, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. The word of God says that, be holy for I am holy. That's God telling us, be holy because he is holy. And I want to revert back to Romans 6, 13. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin. And again, you might be saying, Jacob, I don't don't have it set in my mind to sin, but, you know, I'm not perfect. But guess what? We've been called to holiness. And on this side of heaven, if you haven't realized by, by observing the people you live with, no one's perfect, right? And you might be saying, well, Nudge the person on this side, nudge the person on that side, but no one is perfect on this side of heaven, right? Only God. But yet we've been called to pursue holiness. In my example about walking out the door and having your mind set, your mind mind might not be set on, I'm going to do something wicked today, but maybe it's not set on God. Just because it's not set on doing wicked works doesn't mean that it's set on God. You have to make up your mind. We're going to make up our minds this morning. So we have the opportunity every single day to pursue holiness in our actions, in those that we surround ourselves with, the music that we listen to, the people that we involve ourselves with, right? I was talking to some gentlemen, and if they're in here, they probably know what, I'm, know what I'm referring to, but I was talking to a few of the godly young men that we have in our church that are growing and that are very wise, um, that oftentimes there's those kids on the block that they don't want to involve themselves with because they pick on everybody. They shared a story with me this morning that one of the kids was making fun of another other kid that was mute, and that they couldn't stand it. They couldn't stand it. The people that I was, um, the young boys that I was with, they couldn't stand the fact that these kids were being made fun of because they couldn't speak. They could hear, but they couldn't speak. And I saw within these two individuals that I was speaking with, such determination, like their mind was set that that action of making fun of that individual was wrong. They had set their minds. They weren't like, well, I'm still trying to decide. I mean, it was kind of funny, but it wasn't. No, they had set their minds that this was wrong. And this morning, we have an opportunity as we read through these verses to set our minds on things of God Or things of this world. Point number three is this. Your surrender is true worship to God. Let's read it once again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in light of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is a cool part. This is your spiritual act of worship. That that phrase right there, spiritual act. You know, I say, well, like, well, yeah, it's like just you make the decision and. You're worshiping God, like ta-da, like confetti flies, and you hear, yay, in the background. But when you look at the original language in the Greek, that word spiritual, the phrase spiritual act of worship can can allude to and is translated often as reasonable act of worship. And you might say, well, what, what difference does that make? Reasonable, meaning it takes thought, meaning that you logically make a decision to worship God. And I'll tell you right now that if, you just hope that your day goes well, that's not setting your mind on God. If you just hope that you do things of God, that's not setting your mind on God. When it says spiritual act of worship, to to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice is your spiritual act of worship. It means that it takes a conscious decision to live for God. Like there's something that has to change in your mind to live for God. It doesn't just happen. um, We don't just like Touch where pastor preaches and we're holy saints, you know, but it has to take a decision. And maybe you can think back to when you gave your life to Christ and say, yeah, I was on my knees. I prayed and I made a conscious decision. Well, I want to encourage you that from that moment forward, every day we're to die to ourselves and live for God. And that, that sounds hard, right? There's those moments where it's like, I get it. I get it. You know, what, what is asked of me. And what God offers me in light of his mercies. But every day, that's tough. God doesn't say you have to walk in this life alone. He never said, I saved you. Do it by yourself. Now entertain me and show me how hard you're going to work to live holy. Go. No, he says, I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to walk with you. No matter the trial, no matter the struggle, God's going to be with you. But it's when you face those hard times in your faith, it's when you face those hard days in the week where it's like my faith really comes into play right here and I have one or two options. To really dig down deep and ask God to solidify faith in me, to solidify his grace in me. Or do I just go, ah, today's just one of those days, you know. Nah, it's okay, it's okay. I'll get back to it on Sunday. But it is through those hard times As the word says, it brings about perseverance in our character. But your surrender, once again, is your true worship to God. True worship to God looks that you surrender it all. Remember the illustration that I'm going to give God 999 acres of my life. But maybe that one, you know, that's really precious to me. And that experience in my life, I don't know if I want to surrender it to God just yet. I'm going to hold on to it. And guess what? The enemy has right to that because it has yet to be surrendered to God. So true worship would look like you surrendering all of your acres, everything that you have to God. Surrendering happens when we make up our minds and give everything that we have to the Lord. There's no such thing as partial worship, right? You, you, you either praise God with everything or you don't praise him with anything. There's no such thing as partial like I kind of thank you for everything. I'm, I'm kind of grateful. No, you either are or you're not. And this might be news to some of you, but I hope it's good news that you're, you're getting a concrete answer, what God has asked from each and every one of us because of what he's done. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in light of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Amen. Amen. So the first three points, just to summarize, are look at all that God has done for you. Look at his mercy on your life. You know what? Even when the times that you turn your back on God, guess what? He didn't make you drop dead. Why? Mercy. Mercy. That's called grace. That's called grace. And I'm sure all of us can think back and go, I shouldn't be here today. And maybe you've been there before. I shouldn't be here today, but you know why you are? Mercy. Grace, the grace of God. The second point was give your entire life to God. The third, your surrender, your logical surrender to God is true worship. Making a decision. Then lastly, the world is not your pattern. And I say it because of this verse right here. Verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. My point Closing point is this. The world is not your pattern. That if you want a blueprint on what is going to make your life worthy of God and he's going to be pleased with you. If you have the world pulled up on your screen, if you have the, the world on your wall and you're just looking at it going, I want to please God, I'm looking at the world. You're not going to succeed. The way that we succeed is not to be in the pattern of this world. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you this: in this world, there is a battle between, or within you, between the flesh and the spirit. You might not know, but we're speaking about the spiritual realm here. Within you, you don't, you know, you don't see little um, you know, the, the devil and the angel on your shoulders going, whoop, 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 you don't. But it's within your soul, within your inner being, that you have a battle, it says in Galatians 5, between the flesh and the spirit. There are Fleshly desires in your heart that are pulling you away from God that are wanting to take you and make you run as far as you can from God But there's a spirit of God in you fighting against the flesh saying nope that is not going to help that is not going to lead That's only going to lead to destruction and death, but I have eternal life There's a battle within you And you might ask well that makes sense and but What do I do with that? Continuously in this lifetime, we're being sanctified. What you do is you continue to give it to God. And there are going to be those days where you're like, the flesh is hungry today. It's ready to eat today. You know what you do? Drop down to your knees. My grandfather oftentimes said, Jacob, and I, I would oftentimes go to him and say, um, you know, Abuelito, um, Gran- Grandpa, tell me some insight. You know, just tell me what you know about God. What do you have to share with me? And he would often say, I'll say this one thing, and from this one thing stems everything else. When you pray, pray until you're filled. My jaw dropped just as it did now. I was like, what? What do you mean? Pray until you're filled. Don't get on your knees and go, God, thank you for this day. Amen. You might only have time for that, all right? Maybe in the workplace you're having a hard day, and that's all you have time for. God, help me. Amen. That's good. But when you do, make time to pray until you're filled. Until you know that God has given you strength to keep going. Until you know that God has given you what you need, mercy and grace, to keep pushing forward. To, to say no to the world and yes to Jesus. To say no to the world and yes to grace. Say, to say no to the world and yes to what God has for you. There's a battle within each and every one of us. Between the flesh and the spirit. But throughout this time, we, we're sanctified. We're sanctified. We ask God, Lord, continue to do a work in me. As you offer your life to God in sacrifice, you're not like, strike me dead. You're not saying that. But you're saying, Lord, have everything. And if he does strike you dead, then praise God. Some of you are like, wait a minute. But we're being sanctified. From the moment you believe in Jesus, you can ask, Lord, I'm not perfect now, and I won't be ever until I'm with you in glory. But, Lord, do a work in me. Do a work in me. So the world, again, like I mentioned, draws you away, but the spirit draws you close to God. You might say, well, okay, the flesh is everything of the world. Sin, uh, uh, any sort of sin, whatever that struggle is, the addiction, whatever your weakness is, the enemy knows. The enemy knows, and he knows where to pinpoint your weakness and when to attack. But guess what? You might say, well, okay, cool. That's the flesh. We know it's pretty bad but what about the spirit? What do I do? It's amazing. It's called the word of God. It's amazing. It's called the word of God. Fill yourself with the word of God. And I'll challenge you with this. As a youngster, I didn't always fill myself with the the word of God. I didn't. And I realized like, why am I so weak? And it's because I hadn't picked up God's word that week, you know? And I would be challenged with, well, why do I see, you know, some people, I start to compare myself. Why do I start seeing these people living strong lives for God? And I'm over here all fragile. One, thing, one little um, uh, toothpick comes my way, and I go, ow, and I start to bleed, like, ouch. But I realized I hadn't been filling myself with God's word, that I was literally like a wave, going left, going right, going left, going right, because I was dependent on my own strength. And maybe that's where you are today. The Spirit draws you close to God. How do you depend on the Spirit? God's Word, in prayer, community, coming to church, hearing His Word preached, pursuing God. Romans 8, 5-6 says this. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set your mind on the flesh is death, but to set your mind on the Spirit... Is life in peace. You might say, Hey, the world has a lot of good things to offer social media, things at school, popularity, all this stuff. Look, fleshly, fleshly desires, just like that, the sin in this world, it's not going to present itself like this. Hello? I'm sinned today. I'm here to disrupt your life. I want to destroy you and kill you. No, it doesn't introduce itself like that. What it introduces, like, it's like, hey, I'm wonderful. Come here. This is going to be the best time you've ever had. If, you know, all, the, all what everyone's talking about in school, do it. Everyone's talking about in town, do it because it's right. It's going to be amazing. And you know what? You might suffer from FOMO. You might be saying, well, what's that? Fear of missing out. You know, fear of missing out on this world. Guess what? You're not missing out. You, oh, actually, let me correct myself. You are missing out. You're missing out on destruction. And that's a good thing. But the world will present itself as saying, I'm all beautiful, I'm amazing, and you need whatever I have to give you. So you might say, well, the world looks nice, but it doesn't stay that way. And I'm sure a lot of us here today can say, I've tasted sin, I've tasted the world, and it's not giving me what Jesus has promised me, which is life and peace. Our mind is renewed by God's grace, prayer, fellowship, discipline, correction, and worship. But there's so much more to that. We sing about it this morning, eternal life. And I oftentimes remind myself of this. When the world starts to look appealing, when the world starts to look um, like it's beautiful, and um, I'm talking about what it offers. Obviously, creation is wonderful um, and beautiful, but what it offers, I start to think and remind myself that God offers eternal life. And I don't want to lose out on eternal life for accepting the world. That's a terrible trade. You know, that's a terrible trade. I want to share an illustration with you. It's a video that we'll play in a moment. And as I close, I want to introduce it to you. In the 1992 Olympic semifinal in Barcelona, Spain, my favorite city, I went there once. I fell in love with it. It's great. Derek Redman was favored to win a medal for the British in the 400-meter race. Derek, you're going to see in this video, he set his mind on the finish line. He set his mind. There was nothing getting in his way. He says, you know, I'm going to go and I'm going to finish this race. But I want you to, to just watch the video and try to decipher when he made that decision. When did he make that decision to set his mind on the finish line? And in light of that, for the Christian today, we have to set our mind on things of God. We have to make a decision to choose God and to say, God, first off, I want you to come into my life and eradicate anything that is not of you. Secondly, Lord, I want you to give me strength to keep moving forward because you might say, well, I offered God everything once. I should be good for the rest of my life. Correct. You are saved at the point of giving your life to Jesus, but to to do it as best as you can, you need to continuously ask God, Lord, help me offer my body To you. Let's watch this illustration and try to see when he decided to keep going and where he set his mind to.
1: When troubles come and my heart burdened be, then I am still and wait here in the summer.
0: This man had made up his mind to finish the race. This man had decided that no matter the pain, no matter the the, the trial, that his mind was set on finishing the race. And guess what? When he couldn't, because he had pulled his hamstring, his father came to his side. And believer, I'm talking to you today. And for those of you that haven't given your life to Jesus... Then you might say, like, well, I want to give my life to God, but how, what's the guarantee that I will finish what God has started? It's not dependent on you. It's dependent on God. It's not dependent on your works. It's dependent on God's grace. In light, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual, reasonable, logical act of worship. Christian, have you ever made up your mind that you will completely live for God to be a living sacrifice? Have you ever, by a very definite act of the will presented your life to God's control, to his use, for his glory? If you have not done that, you can do so right now. Let's pray. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ and surrendered your life to him in light of all that he's done for you, just pray with me. Lord God, I realize and I hear and I notice all that you have done for me. God, in light of your mercy that you've had all my life, I say thank you. And God, I realize that you gave your son to die on the cross for my sins. That was your picture of mercy. And God, I welcome you into my heart and I ask you to do your work in me. Lord, change me Lord, give me strength to continuously surrender my life to you. If that was your first time giving your life to Jesus, you're first and last because you won't have to do it again. God has saved you. Feel free to speak to me afterwards, but Lord, I pray that today is a decisive day for a lot of individuals in this place. Lord, I ask you to do a work in the life of this church and in the life of every individual that heard the message that came from your word. We pray this in your name. Your church said, amen. Amen.